No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. push the button and things happen it's amazing it's here we are incredible. we Great. did it hey now 
No Simple Road Family, it's two, two, two shows in the same week. Two shows in one. That's right. No, well, not two shows no, in no, one. No, not two for one. Yeah. Essay, <laughs> double up. Two yeah. for 20, no deals. Uh, yeah, man. Welcome, everybody. It's Aaron. Welcome. It's Mel. And it's Apple. <clears throat> We're here with a special midweek release for all of you. Before we get started, remember to support all of the No Simple Road sponsors like Electric Fish Lights and Shop Tour Bus yep. and Define Premium Cannabis and, and Sunset, Sunset Lake. Lake CBD and Melify. Go what? check all of them out. We ha- will have all of the information on discount codes and all the info on them in the show notes. So make sure you head over and check those out. That's Hook yourself right. up with lights and weed and shirts and fun other CBD products and yeah. cool shit, man. Go all check kinds it out. Of cool all shit. Good stuff. This week, we have something special for you guys. Yeah. The Owsley Stanley Foundation. We have Hawk and Starfinder, and they are the curators of the legacy that Bear left behind with all of the recordings that he did. They are the two that are running the ship over there and making sure that these Bear's sonic journals get out into the world with the class style and I don't know what's another word grace there we go thank you (laughs) apple that's a good word and preservation yeah man this is this is like super important work that these guys are doing you know um Owsley Stanley or Bear as he's better known was not only the benefactor of the Grateful Dead um, he was not only an artist and a sculptor and an audiophile he was um, a father. Well, that too. Um, not just those things. He was really, if you think about it in a lot of ways, he was the inventor of modern day concert sound, um, an innovator and a visionary. A sound historian. Yeah. And uh, what he did is he went around to all the, not just Grateful Dead and you know, psychedelic stuff, but all kinds of music and recorded them in very particular certain kinds of ways that these recordings are very unique uh, sounding. And um, there's all these reels. And what the Owsley Stanley Foundation does is they're preserving them. Uh, If you don't know this, magnetic reel-to-reel tapes over time will degrade and the sound that's on them basically disappears. So they're running out of time with these reels. And, uh, you know, you can go to Owsley Stanley Foundation's website, Google it and go over there and check it out and actually sponsor a reel. That's rad. Yeah. And, you know, you'll be the one responsible for financially backing one of these releases. You can't really pick um, what, release it's how are they doing it again apple are they doing it by oldest to newest or or like the, damage they yeah the the my understanding they're kind of doing it because you can kind of tell by looking at them the how old they are and if they look like they're being a little degraded like they're trying to preserve those <laughs> first and as i recall i think we get into it in this conversation they've gotten quite a few of them transferred mm-hmm you know, so it saves it from reel to reel, but then goes in all the work of getting it in digital. And all that. Yeah, and they have to go to the estates of all these artists because uh, a lot of them are past and stuff, and they have to get the okay to do. 
I mean, these guys are doing a lot of legwork. Yeah, yeah, this is they're to pre- get these yeah. out, <clears throat> preserving the the legacy of of bear and also and the maintaining m- that integrity of the sound through that um, you know transformation of the reel to reel to CD or yeah, digital, and then also preserving the legacy of the family and the American music history. This is legit history that went down and this um this conversation that we had was around their last release they're getting ready to come out with johnny cash um from Folsom Prison. okay that's why i didn't know if we could say anything yeah, about that or not that yeah. one's, yeah. that's that's not um that's not what we talked about here this this one that we talked about was tim buckley and uh i hadn't ever heard of tim buckley prior no, none to of, this none of us had nope. until we started kind of researching hadn't heard tim buckley but he is the father of jeff buckley who a lot of people out there knew who he was and tragically drowned in an accident quite a while ago so this is the legacy of his father who died at an early age back in the early 70s and you know when we got the cd and and gave it a listen beyond the amazing audio quality of these CDs, Tim Buckley, I, the thing that was impressed on me the most was like, I can't believe I didn't know about this music was the first thing. And the second thing was anybody that's part of our scene or the family needs to know who this is and soak up this music. And I really get why they put this out. This is like kind of eerie and, beautiful and timeless and it almost felt like a secret like we were listening to a secret yeah. the way that it was recorded yeah. you know and it, it was just like so interesting and for me I ended up um, going into my car like in the evening one night and putting it on and listening and just with the door closed and it was incredible mm-hmm. I, I just can't underscore enough how good the sound quality I just is. remember you coming out of the car going this album is like a real trip. Yeah, it, it definitely it, took it, me on a he- trip. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this let's say it was it was in San what the Carousel Ballroom, San Francisco, June fifteenth and sixteenth, nineteen sixty eight. So this was right in the middle of everything going on there, and this comes to it's not really like protesty or anything, but there's some heaviness oh, to yeah. these lyrics, and it also spans time it's very relevant some of it to now and this recording like mel was saying they listened to it first and i listened to it in my car and then listened to it on headphones and this is one of those ones because he's doing acoustic and stuff the one thing i love the most about this a lot of times like acoustics it gets really loud and then really quiet like this it does that loud and quiet but the sound you never have to adjust it it stays like oh, steady, wow. even when he get. I mean, because it, he get, <clears throat> pardon me, he gets really quiet, and so it yeah, like takes it way down. But you can still very coherently hear everything that's going on. You can hear like each pluck on the string. That's what I was saying it. That's why it's kind of right like a secret, you know, the way that the sound quality was. Is it kind of brought you into like, like you're sitting on the stage with him? Yeah. yeah. So. The tapes were transferred and mastered by Jeff Norman. He's he's from Mockingbird Mastering, and he was like one of the guys that collaborated with the Dead and and Bear. So that's the guy that like did the mastering on this thing. And then with the when you order the CD, you get a twelve. Or, I'm sorry, a twenty eight page booklet, 
And it's got original cover art by Dennis Larkin and liner notes with interviews with the bassist, who's John Miller, the lyricist, Larry Beckett, and the Buckley scholar, Pat Thomas, that, that there's a scholar on this guy <laughs> should tell you if you don't know who he is, how important his music is. And uh, yeah, man, I, I just got to say the guys at Owsley Stanley Foundation um, are doing the Lord's work. Yeah, like I'm glad real. I could sit in on this one because the first time we had them on, oh. I wasn't able to join. But this time it was so nice to get to know them <laughs> and hear their mission. And they're passionate about it. And it, it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're like giddy about it. They mm-hmm. make you excited about it when you sit there and talk to them and see how passionate they are about this entire project. It, you know, we're talking about like fantastic audio quality and like Bear's meticulous nature and I, I have to tell you guys something. There was a problem when we did this <laughs> with interview the with the quality. sound, actually. <laughs> Which fuck, is man. very so, ironic. Is it ironic? I, what I is know, it? Would that be? Oh. A- Apple's mic wasn't on for some reason. It was doubled with Mel's mic. And it looked like there was three mics going in the room, but there was only two. So when you listen to the interview, you're going to hear Apple and it sounds like he's off mic. He's not. His mic just wasn't on. And what you're hearing is him picked up through me and Mel's mic. So my apologies for the poor sound quality. Well, then, and when you get the CD, you'll appreciate even more the sound quality. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron did this on purpose. So you would have a comparison of poor sound quality. Oh, Stuff happens, you know. We're not perfect. Sometimes the show's going to sound amazing. Other times the show's going to be like, it's still going to be dope. I would say 99.9% of the time we sound just fine. But this was one of those times that when when we hit stop at the end and I went back and listened, I was like, had that sinking feeling in my solar plexus like oh no but it's it's not that bad now that i'm giving you a heads up i i did go in and lift his voice as best i could and you know it's i I did what i could because there's great get it bear with it well luckily i'm not really quiet so it kind of at least my voice got caught on mel's mic yeah i gotta say the other thing about this too you're gonna you're gonna know when you listen to this tim buckley thing like we said, we didn't really know who he was, but he has a four octave range with his voice and the way it comes through, like, like there, like one moment, it's like soft lullaby lulling you down. And then he gets into the, like, just those vocals go through the roof. It's up and down. This is, this is a ride that he takes you on in this well, performance. That's why there's a merry-go-round <clears throat> on the front of the yeah. 80 CD. minutes, even 80 minutes of music. That's a lot too. Check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to read you the, just this little short blurb. It's f- from the website. This is the most important Tim Buckley release since dream letter featuring a singular performance with a jazz rock lineup that calls to mind Van Morrison's astral weeks. Buckley father of Jeff Buckley made his mark with Southern California folk rock sound and four octave vocal range. But this rich weave of accessible, warm, improvisational music reveals Buckley in a light never before captured on tape, including two newly discovered songs, which is Blues Love and The Lonely Life. Early drafts of Buckley's classics and a stunning cover of Fred Neal's Merry-Go-Round. Recorded by the Grateful Dead's legendary soundman, Owsley Bear Stanley, the infamous LSD chemist. This is one of the treasures of his Sonic Journal archive. Buckley's performance is incredible, and Bear's thumbprint on the Sonics is part of the magic. Mm. That's a that's a glowing 
representation of Absolutely. what this is. And uh, yeah, you guys, this, this I'm really, really, really excited for you to hear this conversation and anything you can do to support the Owsley Stanley Foundation, go to their website, get involved, sign up for updates from them. If you want to sponsor a reel, the information is there on how you can do it. Go buy all the, the Ali yeah, Akbar check out, Khan, yeah. the Allman Brothers. Doc and Merle Watts and the Allman Brothers one is amazing. Uh, I want to borrow new that Riders of the Purple Sage, they, Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. They, I mean, and these are just going to keep coming out. Yeah. Each one is just as impressive as the last. And not. I would be remiss if I didn't say that these are two of the most fun human beings to talk to uh-huh. on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, Starfinder is just an amazing human being and his father's son through and through. And Hawk is so excited about this and it you can just feel their energy when when they get on the zoom call with us it's in they're in the room yeah this is like their passion project obviously and it comes through just you guys are killing it yep man so we're midweek um mel and i are probably on our way back from hershey right now on the plane we already saw fish and I'm I'm put, putting this out into the universe. Aaron, just get some rest, man. It's all good. You're, you're going to be cool. And then, Either that or like I said earlier, you guys call on Wednesday and you're like, we're not coming home. We met these psychedelic Amish people out here. We have <laughs> a buggy yeah. and cart now. And man, they're trippy. Dude's got them out here. <laughs> we're coming back for Darwin. <laughs> and Apple. And Simon. And Ryder. And the No Simple Road family, we're dragging y'all to Pennsylvania. No, um, yeah, we're on our way back right now. And uh, hi to me and Mel. How you doing, babe? I'm doing great. Hi, guys. Yeah. Bet you had a great time. Did you have a good time? I had a fantastic time. What I a blast. Dance my little toesies off. All right. <laughs> me too. I, I don't have They'll any They'll fill you in left. on next week's show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking to ourselves in the future from the past. So don't mind us. So you know what? Since it's midweek, we're going to forego the natural pleasant trees of no simple road and just natural yeah yeah well everybody knows you guys know the business the patreon thing how to get merch on our site the instagram all the social media stuff if you don't know any of that stuff at no simple road on all the social media platforms and for information news weather sports and merch go to www.nosimpleroad.com if you want to do something really sweet for us, you can go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and then type your little thumbs off, leaving us a little paragraph about yeah. how much you love the show, and that helps other people find out about us, man. So yeah. you want to do us a solid, that's what you do. And that's the biggest thing we ask is word of mouth. Tell somebody you love because we know there's somebody you love and tell them about us so that they can listen to and be yeah. on the bus. All right, you guys, this is Grateful Dead Family right here, and uh, Owsley Stanley Foundation is part of our world, and we love them, and are super honored to be able to have this platform to help get the word out about what they're doing, because it's a big deal. Yeah. So get ready and strap in, y'all. This is going to be a fun one. Remember, Apple is in the room during this interview, (laughs) I promise. He is there, and uh, just um, bend your ear to hear the tune we love you guys without further ado the no simple road crew gives you the The owsley stanley foundation
<laughs> How you doing, man? It's good to see you again. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, good right. to see you too. Right on. I'm Aaron, if you forgot, and that's Apple. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Apple. How's it going, man? So, good. It's good Starfinder. Starfinder. Where are you at on the planet? Um, I am uh like uh, approximately right here. there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm in uh, West Sonoma County. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, we, we were just, I asked Hawk if he was in Australia, and Apple's like, why would you ask him that? <laughs> it's, my no, see, if, it's, if my, it's my Apple. If you were in Australia, you, he, would, it, he would be It would look like that, totally. Like that, right? yeah, that's the first telltale sign. <laughs> Aren't you live from Australia? Um. <laughs> Good eye, Mike. <laughs> He's moved. So... Yeah, man. It was good to see smiling faces in the world we live in now. Amen. Good, good to be back. Yeah, you know. It, it, 2020 view. <laughs> 2020 was no fucking joke, gentlemen. It was, uh, no. it's still going. I mean, we have not landed the plane yet. No, uh, but, you know, the, the runway is in sight, I, I think, that which is, you know, they just announced tour, although I, I, I was, I just looked at the tour dates for dead and company for the summer and there's like no Northern California shows. That's very confusing for me. I uh, think the, the furthest North they're going is Santa Barbara. Is that right? 
San Diego, I thought. I thought they were playing Santa Barbara Bowl, Hollywood Bowl, Santa Barbara Bowl, and I think that's it. Yeah, we got no love in Pacific Northwest, yeah. nothing. No there. gorge, no nothing. Not even a shoreline. Yeah. You know, maybe there will be more. This is confusing. I was hoping for a, a San Francisco show because, um, you know, driving all the way down the shoreline's a, a hassle, but, um, you know, the, the, um, the Oracle arena or whatever you call the, the, what's the new, uh, the new Warriors stadium in, uh, San Francisco. It's a nice venue. Yeah. We have, we have a couple really awesome ones up here that like the first year we moved up here to Portland, they played the Moda center up here. And that was like our welcome to moving here. It was like a month after we got here and, and yeah. And, but now, but it's fuck it, man. You know what? At least we're seeing shit get announced. I've seen festivals being announced. Music is coming back. It's a fucking yeah. beautiful thing. I, I, it's something that we've talked about a lot is like, I don't know about you guys, man, but like music was something that I just figured was a given no matter what was going on in the world. Let it be war or famine or whatever. There's always going to be live music happening. And this was a shock. This fucked me up, man. It really underscored the importance of being together with our family and fucking dancing and listening to music and having those frequencies hit you out in person as opposed to through a screen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's also uh, uh, perhaps motivation to upgrade the sound system. (laughs) (laughs) I need a subwoofer. (laughs) No shit, man. We've got a buddy that's like, a total audiophile you guys would get along great and on new year's eve he invited us to his house and we we uh, wa- watched a string cheese show from like 2014 or something and he has like that 3d sound system in his house and i'm like okay i i, I understand being an audiophile now it was i mean we were there yeah yeah, well, that that's like you know, if you listen to the tapes from the you know Wall of Sound era, <laughs> no matter how well they're recorded, it's not the same as being there, right? right. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, tell me about what's going on, you guys, because this is this is pretty awesome. This this new release is something special. <laughs> yeah, there's a a lot going on. This is going to be a a, a big summer for OSF. Um, possibly our, our biggest ever. Um, just the way things have sort of fallen together. Uh, started off with the Tim Buckley release that's uh, coming out on June 4th. Um, it's uh, you know been on our radar since 2017 uh, and adopted a real patron sponsored the preservation of the Sunday show uh, from uh, June 16th, 1968, Carousel Ballroom, Tim Buckley's set. Uh, when we heard it, we knew that it was something special. Um, and we had been familiar with Buckley's music, you know, through his studio albums you know, mm-hmm. when we were in college, but we'd never heard anything like this. And I know in the, in the Buckley universe, you know, he's known, Tim is known for his, you know, live performances and dedication to improvisational art, but this totally floored us. And we went down the rabbit hole on Tim Buckley and, you know, it took a couple of years. Uh, we played it for the family Buckley Estate, and you know it was great that their jaws hit the table when they heard the sound quality uh, and the richness and depth of this performance. And it was funny because after we met, we played it for them, and you know we spent a couple hours together listening to it, and we were saying our goodbyes, and they were like, "Man, we thought you were gonna be just another dude with the tape." Oh shit! Uh, 
you know, that happens quite frequently. Everybody's got a tape of somebody, uh, you know, back in the day, but almost none of them are, are Owsley quality tapes. And, uh, you know, we knew that not only the sound quality, but the performance was just magnificent. And, uh, you know, really thrilled to finally bring this gem to light. We've got another release coming that we're about to announce next month. It will be released in September. Um, and we've got another one in September through one of our partners. Uh, and we've just started working on 2022 release schedule um, and some, some really large projects in 2022. Uh, it'll be a two CD set and a three CD set. Uh, fingers crossed if all goes well. So lots going on, more projects in the works. And of course the preservation effort uh, moves forward. Uh, I was just joking with Starfinder before the call uh, his mother-in-law. So we talk about this adopted real program, right? right? And how patrons want to, you know, we really encourage the community to be a part of it and contribute. And then for your contribution, we invite you into the process of preserving these reels. Um, we even do that for one another. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've bought, you know, preserved reels for, for friends and loved ones and Starfinder's mom for his 50th or mother-in-law for his 50th. Uh, didn't tell him about it, but came to me and, and said, hey, can we preserve a reel for his birthday? And I said, well, what reel could we preserve that would be, you know, really, really meaningful to the Owsley story and to, you know, the arc of Starfinder's life? Um, so I selected the Going Away Grateful Dead shows uh, at oh, no. the Euphoria Ballroom uh, in July 14th and July 16th, 1970. These were Owsley's last shows before he went to prison. Uh, and they were, there were some special guests that joined uh, that night, including David Crosby, who played a set uh, and played with the Grateful Dead on Cumberland Blues and New Speedway Boogie. Oh, and then uh, on the 16th, Janice showed up and, of course, sang In Love Light. And that was, oh. you know, Bear adored Janice by the time, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't long after he was in prison that Janice passed away. So this, our theory is that this is the last night that Bear would have seen Janice. Um, and it's a lot of history, a lot of richness. Gives me goosebumps to yeah. think yeah, of us uh, too. You know, Starfinder's mother-in-law preserving this and finding this like is the perfect tape to celebrate his 50th birthday. So, so I, I gotta ask, like you you preserve this reel for his birthday, right? He knows nothing about it. Do you play this for him at his birthday party? No, oh, no. They, he knows about it. I haven't heard it yet. You still haven't heard it? <laughs> well, that, well, this is a little more Family time here. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a little more insight into how we operate. That decision was made in November. No oh, shit. Uh, and I just got the tapes uh, freshly preserved uh, this week. So, <laughs> morning, listening to them and uh, you know, writing notes about them. I haven't them. heard them yet. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, didn't Jeffrey copy you on that link? He should have copied you on that link. I I just downloaded a bunch of stuff, but I haven't looked. It's not it's not labeled, so I don't know what it is. Ah, oh, our secret code. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah uh, the not labeled code. We have that same code. <laughs> well, it's it's that's it's the best real, way to ensure real, that real number <laughs> this and real number that. <laughs> and the, and then real numbers don't mean anything to anybody. But. Yeah. Well. It, there, there's also there's a database and you know so i just have to pull up the database and look at what the numbers correlate to but yeah the the buckley release uh we got a copy of it and um so we don't have a cd player in the house right 
Oh. <laughs> and uh, so my wife is like, look, we need to sit down and listen to this thing right now. And uh, so she smokes a big old bowl and goes and gets in her car in the garage. And um, I go get in there with her. And I've, I got to be honest, I'd never heard of Buckley before. And I was fucking blown away, man. Like, first of all, how did I miss this? was the first thing that came to mind. But second, like the magic of the recording is so apparent to even a layman, somebody that is not an audiophile or just that recording is so incredibly dense and deep. And it really puts you, I felt like I was sitting at the lip of the stage you know, it's a trip, man. And, and, uh, yeah. I mean, do you guys get that? I, I got to imagine that when you hit those reels for the first time that the hair is just fucking standing up on your arms, right? Yes, exactly. And that's like, I'm, I'm, we're both here beaming because it's the audience that wasn't familiar with Buckley that's having the same reaction to these tapes that we had. And when we sort of sit alone in the lab and listen to these things for the first time and can't share them with anybody and, you know, what's the context for this magnificent creature, right, that we're hearing for the first time in 53 years. And wait a second, am I hearing this right? There's always going to be that sort of second guessing of ourselves in the process. Right. You know, we try to do everything by consensus committee. Like, you agree? Like, is this the most magnificent thing you've ever heard? Oh, yeah, that's pretty damn good. (laughs) And then we wonder if now we've reached consensus on this. What's the rest of the world going to think? Are they going to hear what we hear? Okay, well, let's go check out the, the Buckley estate and see what they think. Mm-hmm. Their jaws hit the table. Okay, now we know we're really onto something here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing, and this is sort of getting back to the Grateful Dead sort of scene, a lot of deadheads that I know are not familiar with Buckley. And what we heard in this Buckley recording, it's different. It's not the Grateful Dead, obviously. There's only one Grateful Dead. And it's not even, they're not a, there's no comparison. No. They're each in a separate category. But what Tim Buckley does is the same kind of thing that we enjoy most about the Grateful Dead, which is that constant reinvention, reinvention on the fly, the total immersion and improvisation as the mode. Um, this is a dude that couldn't play the song the same way twice. And, <laughs> you know, it just constitutionally not constructed to do that. Right. And when you he, realize he can't even sing it the same way twice, <laughs> it's not just playing. Yeah. <laughs> the lyrics, the lyrics are, are, are quite uh, are quite labile, yeah. <laughs> arbitrary. And uh, you guys like that word labile? Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a word that we debated not including in the liner notes like, <laughs> for hours. <laughs> there's a there's another glimpse in in sort of our our editorial committee process so i'm really thrilled that starfinder got to use the word labile on uh on the air you get five points Uh, you know i got i got outvoted i what you say is so true i mean uh, yes there is only one grateful dead that goes without saying but that deadheads don't know who Buckley is, it, it, it didn't seem fair. Like after I heard it, do you know what I mean? Like how that, like I said, how the fuck did I miss this? 
And it really is, it comes from the same universe. I, I We were like just listening to some, you know, um, studio stuff while we were cooking earlier. And I said to Apple, I was like, LSD is responsible for so much fucking great music. Like you can tell that it comes from the same world. You know, it's, it's got the same scent to it, same flavor. (laughs) It's funny because um, after we did the album and did all the liner notes, we stumbled across an account um, from uh, the, um, uh, Lee Underwood, Lee Underwood, the guitar player. uh, Yeah. Lee Underwood was a guitar player who was typically a part of this ensemble, but for whatever reason, wasn't at the carousel ballroom. Okay. Shows. Uh, amazing uh, guitar player and uh, sideman for Buckley. Yeah, and um, and so he was recounting uh, the um, the night that uh, Buzz and Fly, which opens the album, uh, was written, and um, and apparently it started off <laughs> taking uh, taking a couple of tabs of uh, Owsley Purple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. It, it, the, the connections are everywhere. And, you know, it's it's one of the most popular Tim Buckley songs, you know, the one that was always requested at his performances to the point where it drove him mad, you know, get every night, everywhere he went, people requesting buzz and fly. Uh, so, you know, another Owsley contribution uh, to the music world uh, that is, uh, you know, perhaps less obvious. And, and then, you know, there's a funny story that we also came across. You talk about uh, acid, and this is a little bit of tangential, but uh, apparently Jim Morrison, who was also from L.A. and Buckley was from L.A., uh, they were they, they walking down the street encountered each other, and Buckley was drunk and Jim Morrison was on acid, and they both recognized in their inebriated states that each one was on the other's uh, chemical of choice. <laughs> and they had this moment of realization, like, Whoa, is up down is day night. Uh Mel's joining us. Hang on hey. one second. One hey. second. Let me Yeah, we got I guess we didn't get to chat with you the last time, but uh we heard uh we heard you on the when it aired. Oh my gosh. I loved every second of the Ali Akbar one and then the second one that you guys are talking about right now, right? Yeah, Jeff Buckley. Oh my gosh. You guys are doing uh, yeah. you're doing the Lord's work for sure <laughs> <laughs> because you know it's like uncovering a treasure chest you know I think everybody like all of us as kids love that mystery and you know finding something really cool and excited or exciting I should say and that's exactly what these are these journals like I know when I read through my old journals there's like all this like magic that I discovered within myself. So doing that and uncovering stuff that has been hidden is it like appeals to the kid in all of us. Like, Oh my God, the music fan that, you know, the person who's waiting to just, what are you putting out next? So thank you so much for like the arduous task of what you guys have taken on. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, they, they, thanks for, for listening and, and, uh, and getting it. <laughs> yeah, definitely getting it. And I, you know, I do, I do some like energy work, body work and, and putting that Ali Akbar on was, it was, uh, took it to a whole nother level. It really did. I, I actually did a treatment on Apple, um, with that on. And I was like, I want to put this on and it's the same as the other recordings. It's like you're inside of his sitar like, <laughs> or there. It is all around you. 
as other recordings of Ali Akbar are amazing, but you're not immersed. By it. Yeah. That, yeah, that so, crawls inside every nook and cranny of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so then you add the element of like touch and energy and it just really brings it to a whole nother. It's like playing the instrument of the human with him playing, you know. Oh shit, what, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Z- Zakir Hussein said that, uh, and when he heard the recording, he said this is like a how-to manual of recording Indian music. And then he wished all Indian music, live music was recorded this way. Wow. Oh shit. The, it was a yeah, great, great compliment listening to a you know fifty year old recording. Yeah. And those those classically like classical Indian musicians, at least to me in my head, are like another level of musical understanding, like knowing what raga is right for the what time of day and like energetically speaking and those guys, and so to get a compliment from somebody like that about how you're doing <laughs> it is multi-layered. That's that's pretty dope. That's yeah. I, I'll take that one a thousand times. I, Likewise, I, yeah. Stop. Um, it's it's funny. We we went through that whole process of learning about Indian classical music uh, and talking about the time of day. We actually cut a lot of that material out of the liner notes oh, because wow. it's interesting because Ali Akbar Khan. Uh, typically wouldn't play, particularly later in his life, was more adamant about you don't play something that's a morning raga at night. And Sindhu Bhairavi is a, is more of a morning raga than a night raga. And we're piecing this together, and it was sort of a mystery to his children. You know, why is he playing this particular piece? It's not a you know not a deep mystery, but it's one of those sort of curiosities. And what we ultimately concluded was that. This was Raga around the clock, and it was playing very lengthy shows all night long, you know, until the wee hours of the morning at least. So by the time the Sindhu Bhairavi, the 76-minute uh, closer, ended, it was probably 2 in the morning at the family dock. Wow. So a morning Raga might be perfectly appropriate yeah. right, right. at that point. Wow. If I'm remembering correctly, I hope I didn't just get that all completely backwards, <laughs> but that gives you a flavor of gotcha, the conversation yeah. that we had. Yeah. Starfinder, i got to ask you a question, man, because this brings up, something that I've wondered I um I lost my dad at the beginning of the end 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 of 2019 beginning of 2020 and um there my dad was a um a movie producer and a writer and a director and uh there there's been times since his passing that like I smelled his cologne or his cigar or um like uh, dreamt about him really profound dreams and your dad is such a profound mark on society his his uh fingerprints are all over the place and in every nook and cranny of our family and um and then you start unearthing these journals these sonic journals and I just wonder, man, like when you're going through these reels and, and, and uh, listening to these recordings and knowing what he did to get them and how his brain worked, like, do you feel him there with you when you're going through these things? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) you know, it, it, I have these, these cherished memories of, um, 
of visiting the archive uh, for a while it was um, in the vault with the Grateful Dead's um, tapes uh, until until they got shipped down to LA when when Rhino took over the vault. Um, but when it lived in Northern California, <clears throat> Bear kept his tapes in there. And, and um, you know when he came back to the states from Australia, um, sometimes uh, he would go visit and uh, and uh, pull tapes and. Uh, you know, just just uh, going there and going through the boxes, and you know, he would pull out tapes and and look at at his writing on the box and start talking about the show. You know, he had all of these memories that that you know, I mean, thirteen hundred reels, and he'd play, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, this was a good one." Pull out another one, and he he'd, he'd read, hmm, "says weird, could be good, <laughs> maybe not," <laughs> um, and. And, uh, you know, but it, that's just one of the things that when we're when we're going through the tapes, you know, he would mark tapes that he thought were special. Um, you know, he he he'd put notations on them sometimes. And, you know, so we we do have little messages from him here and there, um, you know, that that help help guide some of our our um, our choices. Um, but I, I'm always, uh, always thinking about how much I would prefer to be doing this with him, mm. uh, yeah. you know, and being able to, to have his voice, um, in, in the liner notes and, and, uh, you know, tell the tales of, of all of these, um, you know, experiences. I mean, to, to have been to all of these shows, um, at, at that time, uh, you know, with, with these people and, and it is experience the music in real time and, and capture it. Um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that was an amazing life. <laughs> yeah, man. And it brings up a, a, a good question too. Like, you know, that the time that bear was doing what he was doing and recording these shows was very, I don't know what, what the very profound time for music. There was a lot of new seminal that's yeah. There was a lot of new shit happening and like things that had never been sonically created were coming out. And since then, I don't know if we've ever had another Renaissance like that musically, I guess maybe from my perspective might be skewed because of how the genres and whatnot that I listen to. But in my opinion, I don't think with, that we've seen something quite like that again. Do you, yeah. do you well, think, do you think so? Well, I mean, acid was legal. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, you period. Know, right. Yeah. <laughs> There, there. I'm, I'm sure there are other, there are other elements at play, but I think that was a big one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you, you, you know, it's a felony to get caught with, uh, with a joint, but, um, but you know, acid, you know, when, when Bear made it, it wasn't illegal. It was just hard to find. So and that's why he started. Uh, you know, he, he wanted to make sure he had good quality, and, and, um, it's hard to make a little. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a. That's been a, a quest of mine through my whole life. Like I, I really, if I'm going to do stuff, I really want to have the, the best. And uh, I, I got to hand it to him. I'm fuck it. I'm going to figure out how to make it and do it right. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> so there, 
if there was anything, it was uncompromising about quality. Wow. You know? Well, did that get passed down to you? Do you think? I I have been accused of perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk, let's hear the truth. <laughs> um, uh, I can neither confirm. <laughs> no, or deny. Look, man, I got to work with this guy. <laughs> Smart answer. <laughs> it, it's uh, it, I'll tell you what. It's a beautiful collaboration that we have within the foundation. Uh, the way that the skill sets of the various participants, you know, manifest. Right. Um, and you know, my job is often to crack the whip. <laughs> oh really? You know, I'm, I'm I'm the Sam Cutler of the Owsley Stanley Foundation. Okay, uh, you, you know, type A. <laughs> make, make, make sure that that you know you know I'm, I'm thinking you know my goodness yes if Bear were involved in this process we'd have all the insight you know like every the biggest question I have when we select releases is would Bear want this to be released you know and we have such little guidance we have like sort of a list of his top ten, um uh, and we don't have very much information beyond that. And so I'm always questioning like, what would bear do? What would bear do? But I'll tell you one thing, and this is a way of answering the start under question. How many releases would we have if bear was involved? Uh-huh. <laughs> you say, you say you've got a top, <laughs> you say you've got a top 10. How, how many of those, like are those on a list to come out ahead of others? Cause when we spoke last time, you said that the selection process is based on the age of the reel, right? The no, the, that's the selection to preserve. Okay. Um, okay. His top ten, what I refer to as top ten, were uh, reels that he had preserved in his lifetime, mm. uh, with a view or, towards or marked in some way yeah. Or yeah. to denote that he thought that they were special and should be that. Like he he had been trying to. Uh, you know, it was before the internet was really quite as pervasive. So, um, you know, one of the problems he had was in in reconnecting with some of the the musicians or their their states um, when he thought there was good music um, that he'd like to to work on getting out. Um, you know, to to just to get to the artist. Uh, so, the um, you know he he we knew which ones we knew some of the ones that he was working on in the background trying to trying to get to a point where where they might be considered for a release um but he hadn't been been able to to make that progress um and you know thankfully we're gonna have one of those uh coming out <clears throat> um this september we're we're uh we're queuing it up yeah one that was uh probably right near the very top of that list oh. if not the top of that list it uh it was one that bear worked on for a very long time in his lifetime uh, and one that we've been working on steadily for three years and oh wow, just can't wait to reveal this to the world. So uh, obviously, I like the surprises I do too. too. That's, That's fun. That, it is. It's fun. It's like when back in the day when you would get by like baseball cards, you didn't know who you were getting. And then sometimes you got like a Hank Aaron or, you know, Dwight Gooden or whatever. And you're like super stoked about it because they only come once in a lifetime. And that's super rad. Like again, that little just seems like he left like breadcrumbs and there's a lot of you know like and that's a Not rad bread. legacy big, big meaty steak. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, meaty breadcrumbs <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Beef tips. Yeah. yeah. Beef tips. <laughs> <laughs> you say three years, man. So to my layman's head, I'm like, what could possibly take three years to get music off of a reel? Like, can you explain that a little bit? What so, takes sometimes music takes, came off the reel. It takes quick. years to, uh, <laughs> okay. Music came off the reel in bears lifetime. Um, yeah. but, uh, each one of these, uh, looks like I might be frozen. No, frozen. you're good. You're yeah, good. You might be frozen uh, on your end, but you're good. Each one of these has a, you know, sort of its own uh, path. And, uh, you know, sometimes that involves work with the artists. Sometimes mm. it involves work with the estates. Uh, sometimes it involves work with record labels. And, uh, you know, each of those interests has to be accounted for. And, and, you know, we do things open and transparent. And, you know, some of the details just take time. Uh, yeah, and a lot the, of paperwork. <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork behind the scenes. It's uh, and you know this goes back to we may have discussed this before, but you know, Owsley had a an access to these artists that very few had, uh, and particularly to this diverse and array of you know 80 plus artists. And they knew that he was taping, uh, but they knew they could trust him to not exploit these commercially without their mm. say so because. He wasn't doing it to, to commercialize it. He was doing it to become a better sound man at a time when everybody in the industry needed the sound systems to be better than they were at that time. And so it was a sacred trust. And you know, we, he sort of passed down that ethical um, responsibility to us that nothing gets released without artist approval or their estate's approval. And so you know, we often, particularly in the early days, less so now, uh, you know, in the early days, we used to get hit all the time by people saying, well, come on, just press click and send it out there. Just send the link, share it, post mm -hmm. it. And, you know, we can't, we can't do that. Right. Uh, it's not, it's not how we work. Uh, you know, unfortunately it takes a lot longer to do it the way we do it. Um, you know, and you know, that's, that's part of what takes three years. Yeah. Or, or, or have you come years. up against a lot of no's? We have not come up with, a, uh, against a lot of no's. We have come up with some. Okay. Uh, and, you know, uh, and, it, and it's always, I view them as temporary roadblocks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, love Jack and Yorma uh, and Jack and Yorma are just awesome uh, friends of the foundation without their support. We probably wouldn't exist. Um, but it took about two years you know, to get them focused on that particular release. And I love the story. I hope I'm not talking out of school because it's a great story. You know, I hand delivered the CD to Yorma uh, at a concert uh, and talked about the foundation. He said, oh yeah, I'll listen to it. And then he played a benefit show for us uh, shortly after, this was in 2015. And I said, hey, what about that? What about that CD I gave you? And I don't think he'd listen to it. it. Took a long time for him to listen to it. What ended up happening was his, his techie Myron, who's a, another lovely soul, um, I guess they were on a bus together on tour and Myron asked the bus driver, you know, why don't you go take a walk for a bit? Yorma comes back on the bus. Myron says, okay, we're going to listen to this now. Oh, <laughs> and it was on a Sunday afternoon. They, they had to wait till they got a bus that had a good sound system in it. Myron wanted to hit Yorma because I'd gone down to the ranch and listened with Myron and, you know, is this as good as I think it is? And he's like, yes, this is as good as you think it is. This is amazing stuff. And so it was a Sunday afternoon, I know, because I was in my office and all of a sudden my phone starts lighting up and people start texting me. And you know, apparently Yorma heard, you know, the opening track 
Um, what was it? Uh, Rock me baby. Okay. And yeah, he leaned back in the, in the bus and his smiled this big smile and then starts reaching for his phone to call Jack and say, Oh my God, have you heard this? Um, and you know, we were off to the races, but it took a long time to sort of get that on their radar. Uh, took a little inside help. Uh, right. and mostly that's, you know, they, he wasn't ignoring us. It's mostly these guys are so focused on the art that they're creating today right? Mm-hmm. that they don't have time to think about what they may or may not have played well or, or brilliantly or not so well uh, 51 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and, wow. And, and I think, you know, a lot of these guys, for the most part, you know, they have the view that if it was any good, I'd have released it, man. It's right. years to think about this, you know. But this was a loss. This was a truly lost tape on a night where you can hear it on the tape. They were just laying it out as they wrote in the liner notes. They were blowing. They were just blowing. And it's brilliant. It worked. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, you know, and the other the other delay in that project was, how, you know, how long did it take us to find the second half of that show? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We only had, we only had the first 45 minutes. We've, we found the other, uh, you know, parts of the show on different – opening and closing at reels. Oh, Unlike, shit. So there was only one reel that was labeled Yorma and Jack from that date in that venue, but we found their fragments of sets on the back of Cleanliness and Godliness Skiffle Band and on the front of Grateful Dead and on the back of Grateful Dead because what happened the first night was Cleanliness and Godliness Skiffle Band opened up for the dead, and uh, you know, Jerry sat in on pedal steel for A11, and then he stayed on pedal steel... Uh, uh, Steel. So he, he played with Cleanliness and Godliness Skibble Band. Then the Grateful Dead came on, and Jerry stayed on Pedal Steel to open with Slewfoot. They closed with him back on Pedal Steel for Green Green Grass of Home, and then Jack and Yorma closed the show. And the next night they flip flopped, and Jack and Yorma was the middle set, and the Grateful Dead closed the show. Okay. And what that meant was we had portions of Jack and Yorma all on fronts and backs floor. of reels uh, all over the place, and it just took us a long time to find them, discover that they were there because they weren't labeled and present a larger package to Jack and Norma. And there's hundreds and hundreds of tapes like that. <laughs> so it's like we we keep coming across things. It's like, holy cow, there's another one. <laughs> so that makes sense just, adding that time in there. <laughs> that- yeah. And then, then there, of course, are the, the tapes that uh, are completely unlabeled and we have no idea what's on them until we preserve them and play them. And yeah, that's a harder one to, to get patrons interested in. Yeah. yeah. How about you take this one that doesn't, we don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> we don't know what it is. could be something, could be nothing. Uh, oh, wow. You know, that's the, the, I was just going to say, that's the thing I would explain to your guys' time too, is that, I mean, what you've released so far, the packages are beautiful. The, the artwork to the booklets, the, these two sweethearts got me. Cause I, after we talked to you guys, I was like, okay, I can hear the Almond Brothers one on whatever. I want the 3D, 3CD set, and they got it for me for Christmas. And I was <laughs> blown away. And it's a beautiful package. The recordings are amazing. There's nothing like it. I've listened to the Allman Brothers all my life, but I've never heard them like that. Again, it just points, I mean, what, what Bear did and what you guys are doing to preserve it and present it mm-hmm. to yeah. the world the way it should be. You guys are Yeah, well... I mean, Bear was really, really keen on getting those Sonic journals out. You know, he he understood the need for compromise with the uh, with the compilation disc on the Allman Brothers, um, but he still really felt 
uh, strongly that the best way to listen to those tapes were to, to listen to each Sonic Journal. And, you know, they weren't all there because he didn't know how long the jam was going to stretch. And, you know, you figure you got an extra 10 minutes of tape that should do it. <laughs> and then they launch into Sometimes a 27-minute no. mountain jam or whatever, and <laughs> the tape runs out. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, um, you know, we always try to get those sonic journals, um, you know, one way or another, like with the Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen, which is, you know, really fun um, set that we did. You know, we 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 did one Sonic Journal from from the seven shows that we had, and then we did a compromise. We gave a little taste of a few of the other shows as a as a compilation bonus tracks disc. Um, but we mastered every single one of those shows. So every Sonic Journal of the those uh, uh, Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen um, shows. Um, we're fully mastered and available for digital download. So, you know, we, we, we want people to be able to, to get the Sonic journals um, as Bear um, want, wanted you to hear them. So. Yeah. This is like a life's work that you're doing. The same way what he was doing a was legacy. a life's work. You're doing a life's work. This, this is an um, artful preservation process the way that you guys are doing it with creating like Apple was saying just the beautiful inserts and like you said the compilation and all of that like you're artfully doing this in kind of like a rabbit like egg like hidden thing and creating this amazing legacy or extending I should say extending the legacy that your dad left what is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, we, um, you know, we, we really, uh, it, it, the liner notes are where we get to exercise our creativity, mm. um, you know, and, and contribute. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, uh, it is important to us to, to, to frame the, the music and to give you the context, both, both the background for the artist, um, so that you can, you know, appreciate, uh, each, each individual. I mean, for example, with Buckley, I mean, you're saying you hadn't heard of Buckley mm -mm. before. That's, that's, we love hearing that. It's like, you know, I've never heard of this musician, but you know, I trust you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and holy crap. Yeah. It really was <laughs> a holy awesome. crap moment. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and uh, so we want to create the context for, um, for the music um, and, and, you know, Hawk did an amazing job, in my opinion, on, on, on this one uh, and Pete. I mean, they, 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 I've got such a wonderful research crew and those guys um, that, uh, that, um, you know, he, he, he really, if you read his under the headset, um, notes as far as um, exploring uh, the lyrics uh, that that um, gives you 
um, so much more appreciation when you're listening um, for what's going on. Because it, it's it's funny, but we, we were talking to to John Miller, the bass player, um, and um, you know we we asked him some questions about the lyrics, and he said, you know, I, I have to admit. I never really <laughs> listened to the lyrics. Oh, I, I, you know, my, my interaction with Tim was so purely m- melodic. It was about how he was, you know, his voice as an instrument, not what he was saying. And that, and so he was so dialed into that element of the, of the artistry that that was, that was his, the whole world as far as his experience of the show, but there's so much going on lyrically um, and, and the vamping and the improvisation um, and, and Hawk did a great job of really, uh, of really do- delving into that. And I'm sure he'll <laughs> share some insights if you want to talk about that. Well, th- thank you for uh, picking up on the attention that goes into the, to the notes and the art. Uh, I mean, we're very old school uh, in that regard. It kind of, breaks our hearts to, to know that most of the music listening world these days doesn't buy physical copy, mm-hmm. um, misses the liner notes. Uh, but, you know, we make our peace with that at the end of the day. Uh, you know, whether you like the notes or not or agree with some of our, our <laughs> crazy opinions or insights, um, we view these as curated pieces that are not, you know, I'm a big fan of a CD library the same way I'm a big fan of hard copy book library. Mm-hmm. You know, these are pieces of my personal history. These are things that have impacted my soul, you know, to be able to go back to them continually as a resource, pull them out, hold them, read it, remember where I was or how I felt the first time I heard it or how I understood yeah. a piece of writing for the first time when I read it. We're trying to create sort of exhibits mm-hmm. as if, in a museum that you will want to revisit or that tell a particular story that, you know, we hope hasn't been heard before, hasn't been heard before in this way. And, you know, let's face it, this is a well canvassed uh, era in American musical history. Yeah. But we're now as far away from that era that Owsley, when he made these recordings, as for example, Alan Lomax was in the sixties when he had preserved his recordings in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, and, you know, it's gathering that songbook and putting it back in its context. And Tim Buckley is a great example of, you know, look, there's a devoted Tim Buckley fan base that is just as rabid as any deadhead when it comes to, you know, the details of his career and every nuance and every, you know, improvisational verse or lyric. I mean, they're clued into every note, just like we are with the Grateful Dead. Um, but outside of the Buckley verse, you know, for example, in the Deadhead universe, Buckley is not as well known. He was Starfinder and I were five years old when he died uh, in 1975 right. at 28 years old. Um, you know, we only had his studio albums to go on until we were in college in 1991. Dream Letter came out. And, you know, this is all part of that sort of same gathering of the songbook, remembering our shared, our collective musical history. Um, and, you know, one of the sort of thesis or mission statement in a way for the foundation is, you know, preserving Bear's legacy as a reflect. There are many things about Bear's legacy. There are many legacies to preserve for right. Bear because he did so many different things. But our uh, laser focus 
in this organization is on preserving his legacy as it's manifested in his incredible tape collection. And what we're discovering, and I don't know if Tim Buckley is the best, he's certainly not the best example of this, but is how he's helping us to re-remember. Mm. You know, how Owsley's tape collection is helping us to re-remember um, certain details from that era that we thought we knew really, really well, but there are things that we had forgotten. Things like, you know, um, at the Grateful Dead Scholars uh, Caucus in 2018, I played a fun game where I would play little guitar snippets. And like, who's this on guitar? And people say, oh, that's Jerry. Oh, that's Yorma. Oh, that's I'm like, no, no, that's, that's the great Mojo Collins from the band Initial Shock that Herb Kane said was the Rolls Royce of psychedelic bands in 1968. The Rolls Royce of psychedelic bands wow. in 1968 in the San Francisco Chronicle. I'd never heard of Initial Shock before I saw their name on a tape. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we've got, I, I want to do a whole series of radio shows just about bands like, you know, Initial Shock, Sanpaku, um, uh, you know, all these other groups that shared a stage with the Grateful Dead uh, or were part of that scene, Happy Valley, um, you know, that, that, you know, are names that are not household names anymore or weren't terribly well known outside of the Bay Area at that time. We've got all these tapes. And they all matter because they're a piece of that sort of swirling sonic landscape of, of that time and place. Well, it's, it's like living in a, it's like living in a house your whole life and thinking that, you know, every room, and then you find out there's 16 more floors with rooms and you know what I mean? Like, Oh fuck. I never saw that staircase. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they matter just as much as the rest of the house, but man. But also, yeah. too, like, um, in a time where there's so much repeat of everything. Yeah, man. I mean, who doesn't want to sing a great rendition of a, a good song? But to be able to find new, old gems, that is, that's unheard of right now. Mm-hmm. Everything's being repeated. And so that is a really neat thing that you're getting to uncover for the music fan, you know, in general. It's a, you know, also, I don't know if I said this to you guys last time, but like getting ready to put the episode out the last time you guys were on, I got really emotional getting ready to put it out. Like it really like dawned on me while I was editing the show that like this thing that has like completely shaped my whole life from the time I was 18 years old and walked into my first Grateful Dead show at the forum until now I'm in whatever some small way like giving back to that and it it, the immensity of the thing was re-impressed on me in putting your guys's episode out and um I just want you to know that, like, I get what you're doing, man. And, and it's super fucking important and very necessary. And like Mel said, there's so much repetition out there and people trying to sound like somebody else. That were, they created their own sound back when they did it. And it's, it's great. You know, um, 
flattery by imitation is, you know, a kind of a standard, but for the very few people who create something brand spanking new and it's the first time you hear it, that is, it's a, it's a miracle to be yeah, around that. And, and it, you guys are, are helping to push that forward. Like, like Buckley. That, that's a <laughs> with, great with, example. With the old stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's one of the things about this, this uh, Buckley album too, is that, um, you know, it, it's, it's so thoroughly improvisational that if, if Bear hadn't recorded it, it would be completely gone. I mean, every single time that Buckley took the stage, he created a totally unique experience um, in, in a way that, that, you know, was, was beyond <clears throat> a lot of artists, um, you know, other, other than the ones that we, we, uh, we hew to, <clears throat> but um you know, we definitely uh, feel like this um, moment in time that Bear captured, um, you know, is is a, a huge um, addition to to what we understand about Buckley. And you know, it, you were saying that um, you hadn't heard his music, but I bet you, the first time you listened to that recording you recognized it. Yeah. I mean, it felt familiar. Yes. Um, there's something about it that it's like, I know this, I've never heard this, but I, I know that voice. I know, I know that this, this feeling um, mm -hmm. it's in there. Yeah. That's exactly it. It was a feeling it like, I was listening to it in my car because it's hard to come around a CD <laughs> in a modern home anymore, you know? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the garage it, and it was in the evening and I have it on and I just, I got emotional about it. It felt like a somebody had put a cloak over me. It was, and I'd never heard it before either, but I, it felt familiar. It felt reminiscent of something that maybe I had forgotten. It's got and that's that flavor. That's yeah. Scent. And it's, you know, kind of like stepping into like a historical home. You've never been there, but when you see like the doilies, you're like, oh my God, my grandmother used to have those or, mm -hmm. you know, something. And so it, it kind of has that feeling that makes you remember old energy, old times, old stories. Yeah. It's really neat yes. what you guys are capturing. There's, there's something That's very redolent of the era uh, mm -hmm. in, in his music indeed. Yeah. But then on... On top of that, the, the sonics on that one, uh, you know, part of that warmth uh, that we all experienced when we listened to it is, is because, because of the way Bear mic'd it, um, mm. you know, and the way that the bass was captured in particular, uh, I think gives it a, an even deeper, more three-dimensional resonance. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you're not just on the stage, but in between Tim and the bass player. Yeah, um, very much so. That's what I was saying, like sitting like right at the lip of the middle of the stage. Yeah. Just... Go ahead, Apple. What were yep. you going to say? I was just going to say, because like, I always kind of jumped by the same thing. Like we said, we had not heard of Tim, but I immediately thought, you know, the name Jeff Buckley popped in, start doing a little research, find out Tim was his father, was Jeff Buckley's father. There was another son. And I mean, what a gift this is for the Buckley uh, estate, because they lost Jeff at 30 years old. And what a talent he was and everything. And then I'm looking, and it reminded me of Jeff, listen to a little Jeff, look at his stuff. The anniversary of his passing is May 29th. 
Oh, wow. Coming up right around the corner. So several things like hair standing up, hair standing up. <laughs> I mean, just like, whoa, man, this is heavy. <clears throat> this is a heavy yeah. recording that was caught. And then you guys are able to gift this to this family that had this, you know, this amazing talents in their family and these early losses. It's like a, a piece, another piece they can hold. And that, that's special. Yeah, that's that's dope. And the yeah, if, if any of your listeners are interested, there's a great book, um, Dream Brother. Uh, David Brown, a Rolling Stone writer, uh, wrote uh, in the early 2000s. It was a, a alternating chapters about the sort of intertwined uh, life paths of Jeff and Tim Buckley. Um, and each chapter alternates with a, a Tim historical piece, followed by a Jeff chapter, followed by a Tim chapter. Oh, sure. um, and it's uh, really uncanny, uh, some of the parallels in their lives. They didn't have a, uh, a close relationship at all before Tim died. Of course, uh, Jeff was very young at the time. Um, but it, just such tragedy. Um, and, 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 and talking to John Miller about it was really moving uh, because he obviously had a close relationship playing with Tim. Um, but the profound sadness that he still carries with him. He only met Jeff a couple of times and Jeff knew everything about him when they met. And he's like, oh yeah, I know you played with my dad and you played on this album and you played on that oh, album. Wow. And John was just blown away that Jeff had known all these things about him and had you know, studied his dad because part of, in whether conscious or unconscious, I think Jeff was trying to move away from his father's legacy and, and build his own thing. Um, but when John talked about the, the tragedy um, you know, he, the way he put it was, I think this is in the liner notes. He said, that's, that's, that's just too much to bear, frankly, mm. when you think about those lives and the talent that was lost, uh, so young. Yeah. It, you know, the, something that came to mind you, when you're talking about creating the liner notes and, and the snapshot story behind each of these releases, something that I've experienced from doing this show is the musicians that I have looked up to my whole life or have just found out about that. I'm really into, <clears throat> I love the music. And then when we have them on the show and get to talk to them and get to know the person a little bit, then go to the show after that. It's a completely separate, different experience. It's on a whole new level of deep after you get to know the person and the perspective of the human being that's creating the art. Right. And I really feel like that's what the liner notes do is they give you insight into the art that you're experiencing from a completely different perspective than just experiencing it all by itself. You get to know some of the story history, uh, what happened that night maybe, or, you know, whatever. And then you're hearing it with different, deeper ears. And that, that's why the, the liner notes and the art and like the physicality of the medium is so important. It, sure, we can all just fucking download songs off the internet. Great. That's awesome. But that's not going to give me the same experience as like holding it in my hands and like reading and learning about it and getting to know it on a personal level. It's just not. Yeah. Be able to 
Exactly. Well, it's like, you know, eating, yeah. heating something up in the microwave or cooking a gourmet <laughs> dinner, you know, f- get sourcing your products and getting fresh foods and, you know, making the bread, the dough rise instead of just buying something. It really is a craft and it feels and sounds and tastes like that. What you guys are doing. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Good food. Owsley's <laughs> good food. <laughs> and you know when, when that when that C- CD uh, liner notes are sitting on your table, there it makes you go, oh yeah, I should I, I should listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It's so not just of, gone. One of thousands of digital files on your computer that you know, unless it, you have something on random that it pops up, you're, you're not. It's not going to come to mind. But if it's sitting there on your desk, you're like, oh yeah, I'm. <laughs> I got the Dawn of the New Riders of the Purple Sage box set there. I'm going to listen. Very true. So, guys, before we take off, um, can you, like, give give a short breakdown on, like, how listeners can get involved with the foundation, how they can sponsor reels, what they need to do and go, where they go and all that stuff? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, we have our website, uh, OwsleyStanleyFoundation.org. That's O-W-S-L-E-Y, Stanley, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y, Foundation.org. Um, you know, that has all of our various sonic journals on it. Um, we're a 501c3, uh, you know, federally recognized nonprofit organization. We're 100% volunteer run. Um, which is one of the other reasons why it takes the damn long. <laughs> That's incredible right out. there. The, the whole um, we, we've all got jobs mm-hmm. and families and, and other things pulling our attention. Um, but uh, you can, uh, you can find out information about the foundation and our releases. Um, and uh, if you want to donate, there's a, there's a link there. Um, also our Facebook uh, page has a lot of dynamic content. <clears throat> I know there's uh, a lot of mixed opinions on Facebook, uh, you know, we, we, um, we share them, <laughs> but um, it is a platform that allows us to get dynamic content up easily um, and, uh, and have a, an interactive forum for, for our fans. And um, so we, we utilize it um, for that. So you can get a lot of uh, kind of more day by day uh, or week by week, month by month. <laughs> yeah. Time by time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that, that sort of dynamic content, um, you know, what reels we've preserved recently and that, that sort of stuff all goes up on the Facebook page for, uh, for people to, to check out. Um, so, you know, you can certainly find us there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you guys listening aren't familiar, go drop what you're doing and go. If you want a quality meal. Yeah. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> go to AlziestanleyFoundation.org, not com, and check it out. And, and yeah, we've, we've got we've got seven Sonic Journals out now. Uh, wow. It, it seems, seems like we've been at this forever and just for a minute. Um, but, you know, there's the, the, the stack is starting to get taller. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's almost a thing now. Like, <laughs> almost a- no, it's been a thing. It's it's not almost. It's been a thing. I I just want to reiterate, and I want you guys to know that, like, at least for the three of us, it's it's a huge honor to help get the word out about mm-hmm. this. For Absolutely, us. like it's a big deal for me, man. It and, feels and, good. And uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate. I that. really appreciate um, being here with you guys because um, I didn't get to see your faces or you know feel the energy, and I I really. Yeah, <laughs> I get jealous when I can't be here for them, but I'm really glad to see the faces that are recreating this incredible legacy and, and keeping it going and, and paying it forward through the volunteering. My gosh, that when I heard that in the first episode, I was my mind was blown even more, you know, that these lengthy processes are being um, done by people who are not. 100% financially dedicated to it and have other things going on. And that's, it's an even bigger feat that you guys are doing. So thank you for letting, for letting us spread the word. And, and whenever you guys, you know, need to come back, we are always, yeah, when, we are always here. When that, the one at the top of the list gets ready to come out, you <laughs> better fucking believe. <laughs> and that's what we love, the surprises. I can't wait. Like, I want to know now. That Cracker Jack box. Did we say that when the next one's coming out? Next one uh, in September. September. Yep. Okay. But right one on. month from tomorrow, we'll, we will announce. Dot, right on. Dot, dot. So we, we got some Christmas presents coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we love being on with you guys um you know we we get to talk to a lot of people but what we really love about you is that the genuineness shows through when i listened to your introduction uh that you had to the show because there was like it's the first half of the show that yeah. you did the love as you guys were speaking about what we were doing gave me goosebumps and you know, i'm really grateful for that you know it's uh it's right on. lovely to talk to kindred spirits. Yes, uh, it is. Get us. You know, <laughs> get us a crazy mission and idiosyncrasies and, you know, general weirdness and mayhem. But uh, yeah. we get it right on. I'm uh, glad so you felt the you. love because it's, it is genuine and, and it's true. Like, um, yeah, you guys are just, you're amazing. And it looks like, let's just put it out there. We may get to like high five and give each other a hug at a show sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> so. That would be awesome. Right on. All right, yeah. Let me know when that when you're ready to come back on and uh, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Right. Definitely. Starfinder, you take care. Hawk, take care. Yep. We love you guys. Bye, you too. Thanks, Thanks so yeah. much. Take care, brothers. You will. Record. Dope human beings. Aww. That was a nice treat. I forgot too. Yeah, no, I didn't get to see their faces. I didn't get to feel the energy. I, I mean, definitely listening back to the show um, when I when you guys when we put it out, that was really awesome. But it adds another element to it. Yeah. That's a dope brotherhood, right? Oh yeah, and his Hawk's face. Both of their faces look so familiar, and I love maybe. Um, he didn't Starfinder. maybe Starfinder didn't mean to but like half of his I, face yeah, was, he lit, was, he was lit and it, that just I don't know it was pretty that's dope funny. I noticed the same thing <laughs> I was like that's very artistic I kind of like his dad like things happen because I remember the last interview it was awesome Hawk was because he showed up a little late again just like this yeah, yeah. time and it seems to be his fashion and Hey, he's like oh you're recording this video and last yeah. time mad was, scientist man it's hey, all dope but 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 dude's a doctor yeah like 
straight up genius level appearances mean very little judge a book by very very little it's the energy involved especially in the grateful dead family you cannot judge a book Mm -mm. by its cover you never know and you know man it's just like i said to those guys it's a big deal to in any way be involved with the name owsley it's just a big fucking deal. Also, just like the high quality of what they're doing, the fact that we get to present that to our listeners, that means something on our end too. Like yeah. the fact that they're reaching back out to us, um, they're presenting this incredible masterpiece and pieces that they've done and, and we get to present that to our guests. I'm proud of that. I am super proud to be a part of that loop. Yeah, I am super proud of that too. It's a... Uh... It's an honor, like I said earlier, to be involved in any way with the Owsley Stanley Foundation, the wider Grateful Dead family, and to, you know, have this platform to help spread the word and, and do do the thing, you know, get the word out there about this amazing music that's being put out. And uh, yeah, man. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoyed it. And guess what? We'll be back next week with more stuff and things for you. Take care of each other. Smile at a stranger. Hydrate. Safety third. Wash your fucking hands, man. Later. We love you. Peace. tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash dmb thanks relics the number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Get down! The wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.